Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are excited to be joined this morning by Oklahoma PTA President Lori Wathen. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. So tell us just a little bit about Oklahoma PTA. Sure. So Oklahoma PTA is uh, one of the state's largest and oldest child advocacy organizations. Uh, We were founded in 1922. So if you do your math, we are celebrating 100 years this year. Oh, Oh, that's exciting. Yes, yes. Happy birthday, PTA. 100 years of child advocacy efforts in supporting public schools. And um, so Oklahoma PTA includes over 25,000 parents, grandparents, family members, students, teachers, administrators, and business and community leaders devoted to the educational success of children and the promotion of parent involvement in schools. Well, awesome. And how long have you been involved? How did you get involved with the PTA? Sure. So I've been involved probably over 17 years. So um, I have a 20-year-old son with Down syndrome. So uh, he was able to start school at age four. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went to that school, it it was very scary as a parent to drop my four-year-old with a intellectual disability off at that door uh, because he was going to be in a classroom with kids larger than him, kids with uh, more verbal than him. You know, at the time he wasn't potty trained. Um, He, of course, had very limited speech. And so I was looking for a way, it's like, I wanna be involved in this school. I wanna know what's going on. Um, And so kind of selfishly at first, it was about my child. And I think a lot of parents come Mm. to PTA that route. It's about our kids and um, wanting to support our kids. And so um, I just started attending the PTA meeting at that little, it was a a little uh, pre-K through eighth grade school uh, in Northeast Norman and um, just loved PTA. I loved the mission and, uh, you know, I was already having to advocate for my child. And I thought I can use those advocacy skills and advocate Mm -hmm. for all children. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what grew my interest and just really loving the mission statement, which let me tell you what our mission statement is. So Oklahoma PTA's mission is to make every child's potential a reality by engaging and empowering families and communities to advocate for all children. Mm. And so that just really, as a parent of a child with special needs, that just really stuck with me. And, and that's, that's how I came. Uh, I just served at the local level as a vice president and president. And I started attending state PTA conventions. And at the time, Anna King, who is now uh, our national yeah. state yeah. president, yeah. Um, I, I just went up to her at a convention and said, hey, you know, um, do you guys, do you have a committee at the state level in regards to special education? And she was like, you know, we don't, but is that something you might be interested in? And I was like, absolutely. And so uh, 
that led to the creation of a special education chair mm. on our state PTA. And I served in that position and then served as um, VP of programming um, and then uh, vice president or president-elect and now president. Yeah. Yeah. Lori, I've, I've known you for quite a while and, and especially in your role as advocacy and working with students with disabilities and in and, and PTA as well. Tell us in your mind, you know, we hear the word advocacy. What, what does that mean for PTA advocacy? What does that look like? And um, we hear, sometimes we hear narratives in the, in the media scape out there um, and, and sometimes I feel like it's taken a different tone. Yeah, and I think maybe some background to that is a lot of times when people think of PTA, they think of bake sales yeah. or fundraisers. <laughs> and, you know, if you look at the rich history of PTA, we have been, you know, advocating for children all along that route. Um, we, uh, um, juvenile justice, child nutrition, uh, child labor laws. Um, PTA has advocated and been involved in a lot of those systemic changes uh, to help all children. Um, and so that's when I think of advocacy and that's just what I love about PTA. It's not, you're not just advocating for your child, you're advocating for all children. Um, and, and that's even those that don't even attend public schools. Um, a lot of the things that we advocate for um, touches on uh, kids' everyday lives. And um, so that's kind of how I think of advocacy. Um, it's speaking up. You know, we speak up before governmental bodies. We talk to our legislators. We talk to our local school districts, to our administrators and our principals and our teachers. So advocacy can take many different forms. Um, Oklahoma PTA was invited last week to uh, participate in an interim study on school safety and security. Yeah. Um, Representative Rose Kratz from Norman invited us because they didn't have the parents' voice at the table. Yeah. And that is so important um, for parents to be involved and to have a voice, uh, especially on matters as um, concerning as school safety and security. And in fact, we did, they asked us to do a poll. They asked us to do some questions that they provided. And then Oklahoma PTA added a few questions. That poll or that survey was released. It was only out for a little over 48 hours. And we had 1,075 responses from parents, which is kind of unheard of because we're all busy. And the last thing we all want to do is take another survey. But it really told us that, school security and safety was very important to parents and they wanted their legislators to know how they felt about it. And so, so yeah, we really appreciate being invited um, to participate in that interim study. One of the things as a PTA member for the past, um, I guess, six years, you know, mm -hmm. um, it was for me as a parent, it was my opportunity to partner with the school, you know, and I, that was my foot in the door. It was an opportunity to not only hear from school leadership, but hear from parents throughout our school of what are the positive changes we can make together. And we actually worked on a program called 
PTA School of Excellence, which was just a yearly survey that asked about 20 questions, but it allowed both our administrators at the school and parents at the school to see what are our weaknesses. Like for us, one of them is we've had a a, um, a gain in um, students that speak Spanish. You know, when we started, we didn't, but we had some school closures. And, and so now mm-hmm. we we provide information in Spanish, but that was helpful to get that information. You know, so I think, you know, one of the roles I feel like PTA does is trying to be a bridge between parents and schools. Yes, absolutely. And that that is one of the premier uh, PTA programs, the School of Excellence. And we do have numerous schools across the state that are schools of excellence. And, you know, my hat's off to those schools because they're going that extra mile that that PTA and that school administration team. um, Like you said, they're doing those assessments. They're doing those surveys to see, you know, where are they lacking in that family school partnership? Um, And so uh, we love that program. We love our schools that participate in it. And we really think it's very important for schools to do that. Um, uh, Oklahoma, our national PTA just released a new framework uh, for uh, uh, family school partnerships. And so uh, you can check that out at the pta.org website. And I know that um, here in uh, the State Department of Ed released a, a framework for family school partnerships, and um, they use some of the components from the national PTA framework uh, when they went to implement that. So we're, we're happy that that's available and schools can utilize it. You know, we're leading up to a, a big general election in a couple of weeks, and you're, we're hearing a lot in education and, and on every election, education is on the ballot. Everyone, school board races, state races, federal races, education is on the ballot. And we're hearing a lot this time about education. Um, so PTA, are you guys involved in elections? Do you guys help? What What have you guys been doing around um uh, in this effort. Yeah, sure. So Oklahoma PTA is a nonpartisan uh, organization or association. Um, so we do not endorse any candidates, um, but we definitely want our parents uh, to be engaged and involved in elections because um, they're important. Like you said, education is on the ballot this year. And so what we have done is uh, we have our VP of advocacy, Tammy McCartney, and she has an advocacy committee And they've been working really hard um, leading up to the election is uh, voter registration. Mm -hmm. So we've encouraged our units to set up um, voter registration tables at PTA meetings um, in the school. Uh, We've uh, encouraged them to uh, have a table at their football game. You know, everybody on Friday night, especially in rural Oklahoma, um, goes to those football games. So let's have a voter registration table there. Um, And then we're also encouraging them on the November 8th to have signs uh, out in front of the schools that just reminder, please go vote. Don't forget to go vote. Uh, And even to walk the pickup lines um, during school drop off or school pickup to remind parents to to go vote uh, because it's important. So so as state president, you have a pulse on the state and how parents are feeling. Um, how, how are parents in our state feeling about our public schools? So I think, you know, there's a lot of political rhetoric out there. And I, 
our, our parents are smart and they know that some of the things that have been thrown around are not happening in our schools. Um, I know there was a, a poll um, a little while ago that 83% of Oklahoma parents are happy. They love their public school. They love their public school teachers. And um, so we, we know that the things that teachers and administrators are being accused of are not happening in our schools. And, you know, we hope that parents take that information to the polls and vote accordingly. Um, you know, right now, and I want to encourage all of our parents, our teachers and our schools need our support. Yeah. And, you know, we're a PTA. We are great. We love on our teachers, especially in May during teacher appreciation week. Yeah. But we need to love on our teachers right now because Absolutely. they're being accused of some really awful things. And um, so I think, you know, as parents that we can just send that note or call or text and and let them know that we know what's really going on in our schools, um, that you're there teaching our students um, to, to make their lives better um, and that we have your back. We're, we're standing firm with you. We're supporting you. Um, and, and, you know, we just hope that, that parents take that to the polls. Absolutely. Um, so you all have an event coming up next week, um, the edu Oklahoma Education Town Hall. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So Dr. Heather Sparks, who is a previous Teacher of the Year, um, approached us about partnering. Uh, they have a group, Teacher of the Year group, uh, about partnering with them to host uh, an event. Uh, we strategically planned it for after the state superintendent debate next Tuesday. So it's going to be held next Thursday, October 27th, uh, via Zoom from, uh, I believe it's 7 to 8 p.m., um, and we, it, it is going to be a uh, town hall type uh, format. So Dr. Jason Perez, who is superintendent of Deer Creek Schools, will be there. Uh, Rebecca Peterson, our 2022 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year. Uh, Dr. Robin Fuxa, and I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing her last yeah. name correct, but she's a teacher and educator um, and a public school parent will be there. And um, also a college student, Braxton Temptis, an OSU college student will be there. And our own uh, VP of Advocacy, Tammy McCartney, will be on the panel also. Awesome. And um, Andrea Egger from Tulsa yeah. World will be moderating. Oh, oh, oh yes. That's awesome. That's going to be awesome. Yes, yes. So I hope everybody will tune in to hear all of these great speakers and um and you can find the link, you do, you do need to register, it is a webinar, so um, you can go to the Oklahoma PTA Facebook page, and there will be a Zoom link there that you can register. Yeah, and we'll make sure to get that pushed out to all of our members, we have yes. a Saturday email that goes out, and so we'll make sure that they get registered and, and to join in that, that sounds like a great opportunity, uh, what an outstanding panel that you yes. have set up. Yeah, to just, you know, and they're going to just be discussing the current school climate and, and the issues that um, schools and teachers and parents are facing right now. Well, thank you so much for joining us and being a, we didn't say this, but you are a volunteer. Yes. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, Oklahoma PTA, we have one part-time staff member, and that's our office director. Um, and all of the rest of us that sit on that board are volunteers. Um, and so, you know, we're very passionate about our students and our schools, our public schools. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's the work of, of the heart. <laughs> For sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you guys so much for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity to share. We are excited to be joined this morning by our vice president, Carrie Elledge. Good morning, Carrie. Hi, everybody. Carrie's in the house. Yes, and has such an important topic for us, the OEA budget. So interesting and fascinating and everybody loves it. So kind of take us through that process. How do we, how does membership help us form a budget for our organization? So a budget is a moral document. And because we are a member-driven organization, we value all of our members' input. And we really want as many people who are members to give that input for our budget. And currently, we are in the middle of surveying our members to find out what what things do you want to discontinue? What things do you want to keep as is? And what would you like to enhance? What would you like to see from the OEA? And it's our members' dollars yeah, that make up that budget. It is. A large portion of that budget. Use dollars. That's the majority of the budget. So- Individuals will take this survey, mm-hmm. and when it, when when is the survey? So the survey opened, and on the seventeenth, it will close at eleven fifty nine p.m. specifically on Sunday, October thirtieth. Okay, and then who takes that information after that? So what we do with that data, and we we obviously this is an earlier uh, deadline than we normally do. Normally we do it in December, but we really wanted to delve deep into what our members are truly wanting. So when we get that data, the first thing that will happen is our managers will take that input back to our teams and look through the centers because that's how the survey set up. It's set up to tell us specifically about each of our centers and what what do people want to see. So our managers will use that input to determine, do we need to let go of some things? Do we have data that continues to say, maybe that's something we should let go of? Is there anything that we need to be adding to? Should we write grants for things because we don't have the opportunity to add it into our budget? So this is really looking into it. The manager, managers will get together and kind of put together a template. And then in January, our budget committee, which is made up of members from across the state in every single region, will come together and we will create a draft budget. That will be presented to the OEA Board of Directors and then ultimately to Delegate Assembly in April. So last year, we did some changes in the budget because we had some additional revenue coming in. So talk about how how that member input helped us drive that change in the budget. So one of the most fantastic things about the budget last year is that we did an awesome job recruiting members last year. And because we did such an awesome job recruiting members, we had an opportunity to add some places into our budget where we could actually put dollars to what our members wanted to see. So civication is a good example of that. Um, Increasing the education support professionals incentive this year, we went from $25 last year 
to $50. Every single member, regardless of what category they were in, got a $50 incentive if they joined this year. And that was because of the excellent recruiting and because of the stellar planning that our managers, our feedback from our members, and our budget committee created. It went through the entire process and we were able to actually add areas to enhance our budget. That, that you know, these are our members' nickels and dimes that come to us and we we take this very seriously and and how we use them. So, okay, so you said it goes to the budget committee. So then what's next after that? So, it's done? Yeah, done? yeah, it's over. No, <laughs> after it goes to the budget committee, um, we present it to the OEA board of directors in an informational session where they can ask questions. They can um, talk about what things they might like to see if it's something that hasn't been mentioned. And then at our February board meeting, we will take action on the budget. So they can amend, they can adopt, um, they can do whatever they need to do to the budget. And then it becomes ownership of the OEA board of directors. And then in April, we present it to our delegates at OEA Delegate Assembly so that the body of the OEA, our members, can take action on the budget as well. And how long does the survey take? I know everyone's always like, how long do I need to hours set aside? And hours. <laughs> well, we actually put together an informational video. So it depends on whether or not you want to watch that video. Um, but there is a video that we've put together that gives information about which of each of the centers do. And then there is a survey that follows. And you know, Google Forms or Microsoft Forms or whatever. No, it's Microsoft Forms. Just kidding. <laughs> Electronic um, forms we yes, use. You know, <laughs> you know, the survey doodle. Um, <laughs> on the survey doodle, on the Microsoft form, it says the estimated amount of time is seven minutes. Oh, my goodness. So it goodness. shouldn't take you oh. too much time to say, yes, we like it. Maybe we should reconsider it. And then there are open-ended statements at the very end so that people can, if, if we didn't ask a question that hits the mark for our members, mm -hmm. they can say, you know what? I think that the Center for uh, Legislative and Political Organizing, I would love to see them do this. And the sky is the limit. That's how we get really good ideas. So mm -hmm. something else that came out of the survey last year is um, the desire for our members to see some specific programs that enhance our early career educators. So we created the EC Link Conference that was added to the organizing conference last year, something specific for specifically for our early career educators and our NEON program. So we were able to enhance in a lot of really cool areas because of you all recruiting like you did last year. And we are so thankful that you did. Yeah. It's like what you said at the very beginning, our budget is our it's our moral document. It's where we put our priorities. And so our members, we are literally, in every sense of the word, a member-driven organization. Absolutely. Now, if someone, I'm not saying me, but accidentally mm -hmm. deleted this email that came through, <laughs> is there any way, reminder, how they can access this? Well, Ellen, you are in luck because <laughs> our members will receive a text through the Hustle app. From me specifically, please don't save that phone number in your phone because it is not my cell phone number. If you want it, email me and we can figure that out. But this is going to be a reminder 
to take that survey. And the best part about taking that survey is we're doing the exact same incentive that we did last year. We had more people take it last year than ever, ever before. Um, should you take that survey, your name will be entered into a drawing for a $100 Visa gift card or dun, 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 I will come and visit you, whatever your work environment is for the day. I will help out. I will read to your kids. I will substitute. I'll go on a field trip. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'll be an extra set of eyes and ears for you in your classroom, in your cafeteria, whatever it is that you do. I can't drive a bus, um, <laughs> but I could help monitor a bus route if that's something you that you need. You get Carrie Elledge for the day. Oh, that, that is, is such a treat. A treat. But that also, is a treat. If you don't want that, there's also a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't take it personally. Oh no, no, no! I think uh, last year, actually, funny enough, Joshua Frazier was the one who won it, and he had been hired to be on staff, so that would have been really weird for him to have me come in his classroom. So um, he he chose the hundred dollar Visa gift card oh, route. Buddy. So. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us and taking us through that process. Absolutely. We hope that every member takes this survey because we want your voice to be heard because you are worth it. Well, let's take some time and catch up with Catherine. Oh, Ellen, um, I was out and about. Uh, Vice President Carrie Elledge and I have been on the road this last week, and we've been traveling the northwestern northwestern side of our state and visiting with members. Um, and we were in Enid, and then we were in Stillwater and Perkins and Ponca City, and then El Reno and Yukon, and we we're all over the place. Wow! But I got to hear just a tidbit. Um, one night we were having a, a Stillwater event and I got to hear like maybe about 15 minutes and it started cutting out, um, of the, the gubernatorial debate. Did you, were you able to catch yes, on that? Yes, I was able to mostly watch it as my children watched me cook. So oh, <laughs> I, I was, I thought it was early. It was early. It was early. It was, that was it a was little interesting. Yeah. Irritating yeah. for those that are working or, you know, have events. You know, a typical uh, debate would be a little bit later in yeah, the day. I, I've but. seen it posted so people can go back and watch that. I think it's a great opportunity because I think it's going to probably be the only debate yes. that they're going to have. Um, so they've, they've, they've done a governor's debate. I see that there's going to be a superintendent, state superintendent debate this next week on the 25th that Fox 25 is doing. On Tuesday. And that will be, I think it's at 6 p.m. So live where you can, you don't have to, these, the... Governor's debate wasn't on TV. You could watch it on C-SPAN or you could stream it through Facebook. Oh, okay. See, I was watching it on my News 9 app. And so right. I didn't realize it wasn't on TV. Oh, now I get it when maybe the governor was saying those that are watching on TV, why that was such a ha-ha. Right. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, it was, an, it was, it was okay. a lack of access. But I'm okay. excited that superintendent race next Tuesday. Anybody can watch it. Okay. Um, so, you know, and, and one of the things that I noticed in the the governor's uh, debate was just the stark difference of the candidates that, um, especially around education, and, and we, I, I guess we're focused on that and we're hyper-focused on it, but, you know, we, we want a candidate that is going to honor our work, honor our profession honor our um, 
the opportunity for our students to be successful in their future. And so that is really important. I'm so great today to hear from Lori Wathen about um, PTA mm-hmm. and the education forum that they're going to have. So there's so many opportunities for Oklahomans in these next couple of weeks leading up to the elections to be informed, be engaged, to get out and vote. I so desperately want to see that our polling numbers are higher than the 1 million that vote, that knowing that there's another million out there that doesn't vote or not even registered. And so we have got to get to the polls and we've got to get our voices heard. And we have to make sure that um, education is on the ballot every election, Mm -hmm. no matter what. And I will say talking to candidates across the state who are knocking doors, you know, they will say the biggest issue that they are hearing about is education. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was knocking doors for a candidate last Saturday And it was so much fun. I mean, you know, COVID, during COVID, we kind of had to tamp that down a little bit. And so we sometimes put out door hangers or whatever. But there is nothing better than knocking door for a candidate. And and what I love is the minute I say, hi, I'm Catherine, I'm a teacher. And the door opens wider. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they want to talk to you. And and that you're, you're able to say, I'm walking for this candidate because they believe in our public schools. It is so refreshing to hear the comments that we hear on the doors. And uh, I, I know Vice President uh, Carrie Ellis and I are going to be walking in the parade tomorrow, OSU homecoming parade for some candidates. So I'm. So this is a time to get out. Yes. To abs- get informed, walk for candidates, help them. They need all the help they can get. And so let's let's get with it, Oklahoma. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank um, Lori Wathen, PTA president, and Carrie Elledge, vice president of OEA, for joining us today. Um, and thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcasts at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.